Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. I'm H.A. Conrad, here with my wonderful co-host, Ali Matu. Hello, Ali. Hello, Conrad. How's it going? Great. Uh, we are on episode 38, if you can believe it. 38? Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm, We're getting close to 40. I know, I know. Like like some of us in our podcast. <laughs> IR, anyway, <in> IRL. <laughs> anyway, um, but it, it's a very exciting topic I'm, I'm thrilled to be chatting with you about this it's week. It's our first Star Wars episode. Oh, my gosh. It is. It is. It's so exciting. And it's about a newer piece of the Star Wars universe oh, and canon, um, because what we are talking about today is the first episode of Star Wars Re- Star Wars Rebels, uh, which oh, just premiered um, on Disney XD this past week, although you got a sneak preview. I got a sneak preview a couple weeks ago, and also this premiered around the world in a number of languages on a number of channels, so we're all kind of seeing this uh, for brand new piece of Star Wars canon at kind of the same time. This is really exciting. Um, and in our crossover, we're got, we've got two Star Wars animated series. We're going to be tossing in Star Wars Rebels against Star Wars Clone Wars in the Infinite Crossover Chamber. That's going to be a fun debate. Uh, what's our top five this week, Conrad? Um, our top five is our top five animated series, which I had to narrow down from probably about 30 or something like that it's a pretty tough question it's like asking someone you know what's your top five films basically it's like it is and you know there's also different series that had different significance to me at different yeah. points in my life so i tried to mix it up a little bit there but um but i have a feeling you and i may have one or two mind melts but i'm not sure if where i'm predicting that but i don't know that for sure so let's get into this. Um, this is really exciting. We've we've kind of talked about Star Wars a little bit here and there. We had our um, Academy Awards episode, and uh, we had uh, t- the two of the biggest sci-fi snubs in the crossover with Star Wars facing off against 2001 A Space Odyssey. But we've never really had a Star Wars episode, and this seemed to be uh, just the right time for it because we're at a critical point mm-hmm. in this new Star Wars canon. Uh, as everyone knows, a few years ago, Disney bought Lucasfilm, bought the rights to all the Star Wars properties, uh, proceeded to shut down Star Wars Clone Wars, um, s- proceeded to start up production on Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars Episode Seven. hired J.J. Abrams to do that, formed a new Lucasfilm story group that is coordinating all the new canon. They shut down the expanded universe and they said, we're going to have a new canon. Everything's going to be canon. All the books, the new uh, films, the new animated series, and everything starts with Star Wars Rebels. Or, you know, you could say the book leading up to Star Wars Rebels, which was Star Wars A New Dawn. That's kind of the backward backstory. But this, Star Wars Rebels, This is our brand new take on the Star Wars universe. It's kind of a big deal. No, it is a big deal. And I think some people welcomed the fact that this was being taken out of George Lucas's hands and not out of his hands, but just sort of being, you know, passed down or passed along so that other people would have some input and maybe there would be newer stories and things like that. There there was some nervousness, though, about what Disney would do with this and whether yeah. it's going to destroy it, um, whether it's going to be respectful of it. I mean, I think with 
having J.J. Abrams attached to the film project, that's a pretty big statement because he's clearly somebody who respects things or for the most part does, as we saw with his treatment of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's, you know, it's also a huge corporation and it did shut down the Clone Wars, which is, you know, I know know some people were extraordinarily upset about that. Yeah, yeah, because Clone Wars actually turned out to be a pretty successful, popular series and people were bummed about that. There was a question of, is this going to be a Disneyfication of the Star Wars universe? And because they do, I mean, Disney, I don't want to be overgeneralized, but I mean, they're Disney. So a lot of their stuff is kid-friendly, kid-focused, family-friendly. They do have a habit of editing things to make it more family-friendly. So I think there was some fear on the part of a lot of, of especially very diehard fans, that they're not going to see some of the darker parts. And, um, the, and the flip side to the that. The darker there was, bits, if you will. The darker bits. Um, that, sounds, that sounds a little naughty. Right? It sounds ridiculously uh, <laughs> naughty. <laughs> there was also excitement about... Um, how Disney has handled Pixar and mm-hmm. Marvel, uh, Marvel Studios, and buying those properties—they've done a pretty good job in terms of not uh, not changing the spirit of what makes Pixar Pixar. Even though their last few films haven't been as successful, but it, particularly with with Marvel, um, the comic books and the Marvel Studios films did done a pretty nice job with that. And you know, we've talked a lot about Guardians of the Galaxy here and how wildly successful that has been. So there was a I think we can say there was a pretty big question mark. Um, we didn't know what this was going to look like. They brought on some pretty good talent uh, to to take Rebels into production. Um, Simon Kinberg mm-hmm. from X-Men Days of Future Past, Greg uh, Wiseman from The Spectacular Spider-Man, Young Justice. So you got the animation and the, the film background right there. And Dave Filoni, who was part of Star Wars Clone Wars for a long time. So you had some film, some animation, and then also some Star Wars leadership right there. And so it was this all-star team, and they brought on um, what I I think has been a great cast, led by Mr. Star Wars fan himself, (laughs) Freddie Prince Jr. I I did recognize his voice before I even... (laughs) I I remembered that he was attached to the project, but the minute I heard his voice, I was like, oh, how nice that he gets to do this, you know? I'm kind of excited about that. Like, I was reading in preparation for this, I was reading some articles, uh, and someone said he has a scar on his forehead from um, a lightsaber battle when he was a kid. So, I mean, he's he's a pretty big fan, and I, I think he does a pretty good job. So... This um, this is a show that takes place in an era that we haven't really seen, right, Conrad? Yeah, um, it is basically well, it's it's set. Um, I don't even know where it's set, honestly, Ollie. <laughs> I think it's well, we don't know where it's set. No, we know. It's I mean, it's in, it's in between Episode Three, which is Attack of the Clones, and Episode Four, A New Hope. It's right in that uh. era where uh, the rebellion hasn't yet really started. Um, the Empire is the primary uh, primary force in this part of the galaxy. And uh, we're starting out with a few characters who we don't really who we haven't seen before. This is the first 
iteration of Star Wars that doesn't really have the first iteration of Star Wars on TV or film that doesn't have the Skywalkers right. as a uh, major major family in here. Right. This is a brand new cast. I thought you were specifically talking about which planet it was set on, and oh, I was I just no sort of like, and and then I was like, <laughs> when in the timeline is it, or what part of the the time frame? So okay, sorry about that. No, it's okay. I have no idea what planets those were, but they um, seem cool. And you know, it's interesting animation look too. Um, it's a little less detailed, I'd say, than the Clone uh, Wars. And I know, think that this, and I think that this is part of their. I mean, because they're on a, they're on a pretty fast schedule. So if you're trying, yeah. if you're trying to produce episodes in a way you're you're going to lose some stuff and and we will talk a little bit more about something specific i noticed and was really oh, oh yeah. i was really upset by <laughs> um i think i know what you're gonna get at um uh, but the set pieces like the the planet and some and the ships all that stuff looks great the stormtroopers look fantastic um, uh, well, okay. i gotta ask you this what was it and and I guess we should say we're we're going to be reviewing the pilot episode, so we're going to be talking about plot details here. So if you yes. want to stay spoiler free, um, hit pause. pause right now. But you know, I gotta I gotta tell you, I was, I was talking to friend of the show, Lowen Baumgarten, and he said you guys are talking in our Gotham episode. And he said you guys are talking about Gotham, the pilot episode. I think you can really talk about. it. I was like Lowen, we got to give a spoiler alert. So we got to give a spoiler alert. However. It's the pilot. We're not mm-hmm. going to be giving away too much here. Right. But, you know, you mentioned Stormtroopers. I got to ask you, what was it like to watch that first scene, to see the Star Destroyer, and to see Stormtroopers again? It was cool. And the music was great. You know, yeah. like that with the score is fantastic. Um, and, you know, it's... But some of the things that took me out of it is sort of the look of the hair of all the characters, Oh my gosh! Kept Conrad. taking me, kept taking me out of it, and you know, I'm sure which piece I'm talking about that bothered me the, the most. The yes, Wookie. yes. Yeah, the Wookies looked horrible. I don't even know what they looked like. I was just like, oh my, what, what was that? Who thought that this was gonna fly? One of the um, reviews I read said they the Wookies looked like they were taken out of a Lego movie game or something like that. That was the like from the ho- the Star Wars ho- yeah. holiday special, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's actually what I thought was that is actually what I, I, I thought. And the Wookies looked bad, and I I don't like the look of Ezra's hair. No, his hair and, looks like it's like yeah. kind of like a, like a Lego hat or something. <laughs> it really doesn't look like it's hair. It's strange. Um, but that aside, I I tried to let that go. Um, yeah, I will, and, and I will, like I will also. Said, I will like also you said, tell they're, you. On a t- they're on a tighter timeline here than Clone Wars, and they've the animators have said we've tried to make all the hairstyles really easy to animate. Um, well, it's clear. But, yeah, <laughs> but with Ezra's and with the Wookiees, it just took me out of it. That being said, though, I liked the colors, I liked the cinematography, and it felt more uh, cinematic than most animated it series. It did, it did, and, and so there was that. Um, I will also say, because I had to, this was in part of my notes as I was watching it, just because I thought it was hilarious, but um, young Mr. Bill Wadman was very bothered by um, one of the main characters, Kanan's, uh, the, the the character voiced by Freddie Prince Jr., by his yeah. soul patch. He oh. was he was very unhappy about it. He commented on it several times while we were watching, and I was like, "Wadman, be quiet! I have to watch this." <laughs> um, but he was just like, "It just uh, 
he's just like, come on, Jedi shouldn't have a soul patch. It just shouldn't well, happen. And I'm like, that's not true. I'm sure many of them have soul patches. They have beards. So I you think know, he's he's just dismayed by by maybe because of how it looked in this particular animation. But <laughs> that I was think one we can the, all agree that hair is not really done well. well. Uh, in any here. form, in any form. No, um, no. But anyway, so so aside from these little things that I'm going to pick apart, the storyline, um, I will tell you, we opened up following this, this the main character of the show, or who I'm assuming is going to be one of the main characters of the show. Um, and he is... Ezra Bridger. Yes, his name is Ezra. Um, and I have to tell you, the first scene basically shows this city rat kid that's like, you know, he's... Aladdin, he, I mean... I know, that's what I was going to say. I was going to sing Prince Ali to you. Oh, um, oh, no, I robbed you of your Prince Ali I scene. know, but you'll have to just imagine it. Oh. Anyway, um, I just was watching it and I was like, really, Disney? This is what you came up with? You already <laughs> yeah. did this. You yeah, already yeah. did this. What is wrong with you? It's like we're gonna we're gonna take Star Wars and mix it up with Aladdin and try, you know it just seemed a little strange. Um, however, I do think that the action scene scenes with Ezra introing Ezra, showing how he's he's getting one over on the Imperial Guard, um, you know, basically um, not the Imperial Guard or whatever these guys are. The Stormtroopers and whoever these what, what these guys, what soldiers. would you, what would you call them at this point are, you know, uh, Imperial, Imperial, uh, troopers. I don't, I don't know. I don't um, know. What but called. in any case, they're, he, he gets one over on them. He's very clever, but then he also gets one over on the other thieves that are trying to make away with the goods that, uh, these, these folks have. And, and he's just really brash, and it's clever. the The scenes on the speeders is that really was a good. Scene. Conrad, that's that sequence um, was just so much fun for me to watch. And if you listen closely, and they're doing this intentionally to tie this much closer to the original trilogy than the prequels. Oh gosh, the um, the sound effects, the sound. Star Wars has always had amazing sound. And uh, one of the brilliant things that J.J. Abrams did with the uh, reboots of Star Trek is he brought the main sound editor from Star Wars to work on the 2009 film, and you can feel the difference. Star Wars has always had amazing sound. And with those speeders, they had the sound effects from Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. That scene was so much fun to watch and to hear and to experience, and then to to see the TIE fighters coming down again. Um, I was that getting was, all the feels. Oh, it was totally exciting. It was totally exciting to see somebody kind of trying to battle them from the ground, too, and then getting rescued. And, you know, you, you had said to me before, oh, if you liked Firefly, you're going to love this. Well, part of why I like Firefly is because clearly it's borrowing from Star Wars. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, so yes, yes, I, I liked this because I liked Firefly, but I also liked it because I liked Star Wars. Um well, and one of the, the the that idea that there's a there's a Firefly influence here. I think there's a little bit of a Guardians of the Galaxy feel here. Um, is the the era that we're setting this in? So, I think one of the at the Comic Con panel for um, for Star Wars Rebels, they mentioned that you know we've purposely set it in this era where the rebellion hasn't really started yet. They call this pilot episode the spark of the rebellion. Mm -hmm. 
And we're going to see that there are people right now who are big supporters of the empire, who are tired of all the years of the Clone Wars, who believe that the empire has brought some type of stability to uh, to the galaxy, and uh, that a lot of people think blame the Jedi for their problems. And one of the things that we learn in um, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, is this is one of the first main victories of the rebellion. So I think we're going to see a story of not only how does a rebellion start. Start, but how does a tide? Um, how does a tide change from being so pro empire right now to bringing up the rebellion? And that I think is an interesting story, especially since we're setting it with new characters that we've never met before. Basically, meaning that they're all up for grabs. Well, yeah, and I mean, I do think that there's something refreshing in seeing new stories and seeing stories about what's happening outside of the Skywalker Skywalker clan and and yeah. all those familiar characters. Even though I love them, yeah, um, I do think that it, that basically refreshing the franchise a little bit is in order and. So we're they're seeing they're seeing a little bit of that here, and I mean, but they're also I mean, there's a lot of inside jokes here, so. Oh yeah, I mean you've got you've got there's a ton of little things going on. Um, And Ezra meets um, basically he gets taken in or sort of rescued by this group of thieves, so he thinks, Um, and gets to meet all of them. And there's this whole thing where are they going to keep him? Are they going to get rid of him? And he's just kind of out for himself a bit. And yeah. so it's a bit of a transformation for him because he's used to being on his own and he has to learn to trust them and do the right thing. And I think that that's a, a huge part of the morality of the Star Wars story. It's sort of like, yes, you have these people that are tired, so they're going along with the um, what the Empire is doing. But then they're ignoring, or as long as it's not affecting them, they're ignoring that. So you also see these other groups of people that are starving or have been thrown out and, and disenfranchised from their own land by the Empire. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're seeing a little bit of that, like, what decision would you make? Um, and, you know, that's clearly there. there is a lot of, of themes from Star Wars based upon uh, World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and you're seeing that here too. And so, so they, they, they're building a nice little story around this group. Um, which is great for an animated series. Cause uh, I gotta tell you, I, was, I, I watched this, uh, again, uh, I saw a preview a couple of weeks ago, but then I watched this again on Disney XD and watching those commercials for their other shows was just so brutally painful. <laughs> um, so I'm always in favor of an animated TV show or a children's focused program that does make kids think a little bit and put has these kind of morality stories or these questions about what you would do. We see this in lots of other genre uh, programming like The Walking Dead. There's a lot of morality questions there. But it's nice to see this in a kid, child, um, children's program. And and, you know, there's you were talking about little messages and throwbacks and references. And I just like how they are uh, charting some new territory. So that you have the character of Zeb, who is kind of like a Chewbacca-like character. Well, he is and he's, and he, he's like a sort of a prototype to what they would Exactly. Yeah. He's based on the original concept for Chewbacca. So I love that. But and then, they even still they reference it, too, which <laughs> yeah, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Haven't you ever seen a hairless Wookiee before? Right. Um, and then you have other things like um, you have the, well, the uh, it's droid. a trap. 
Oh yeah, yeah the, it's a trap. It's said like ten thousand times, which is like, oh and, guys, really. Um, and I'm the I'm Jabba the Hut. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they've got. Um, uh, I was actually going to mention the little droid on their ship. Um, oh, Chopper yeah. is very. I love Chopper. Yeah, no, he's fantastic, and you know, and also, I mean, Kanan. Let's face it, he's pretty much a Han Solo character, or that's what he feels like to me, anyway. He's like if Han, if you could cross it's Han Solo Lucan. with a little yeah. Luke, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and but more Han Solo, definitely. Oh, totally. <laughs> and what's cool about Chopper is they they made a. Uh, a droid that actually has um, as much personality, but a distinct personality to R two D two and C three PO, and that's that's a really cool. It, you know, it's almost like if you take R two D two and kind of make him a little a little drunk and a little rough around the edges, you got Chopper, um, and it's a funny little personality. Uh, it's it's really great how they're doing that, and other cameos where they are tying into. Uh, uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, where James Arnold Taylor is voicing Obi Wan Kenobi in a scene, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and then in a not so subtle way says, "Don't worry, a new hope will emerge." Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a reference to the original trilogy. So you've got a link now between the prequels, Clone Wars, and uh, the the original trilogy, and I'm sure. I am sure they're laying some groundwork here for the sequel trilogy and what we're going to see in J.J. Abrams' Star Wars Episode Seven. So it's it's a really nice blend of all this work. And um, what do you think of about, about the acting here? Because one of the unique things here uh, that's unique for a lot of animated series is the cast is voicing this together in the same room, which does make a big difference when we're talking about animated series because oh, sometimes yeah. characters record separately so what how'd you think about the uh the acting here i thought it was pretty good i thought sometimes it felt a little overdone but i i think in the in the spirit of star wars it fit um i i thought that the cast seems to get along pretty well together and you can feel i mean honestly to me it's clear that they're in the same room when they're doing this which is great um and I and I I do think it's kind of nice because you have this little robbery that's going to stray, and you get to see how they come together as a team. Like this is their origin story, basically. Yep. yep. And I really liked that. Um, I also liked that um, they're they're you know they don't forget about the humorous parts. Like I think that um, Ezra's character, he gets himself into these really ridiculously horrible situations. And then they they hit you with the serious part, and then he's being goofy again and like getting out of it. So there's a little bit of comic relief to balance out the darker which, parts which of this. Is total original trilogy, absolutely. And so there's a sense of humor about it. It's not like too dark. I do think you know I could imagine that some people might be a little thinking that this is a little too kid focused, but think about the audience that it's for too so yeah yeah i don't i don't really have a problem with that and i could see you know it's still pretty dark if you think about it um there's a couple of scenes where the the um script i think was a little childish but there weren't too many moments like that and there was actually a couple of moments where i i really did laugh out loud me too um the hairless wookie comment was one um the other one was i'm jabba the hut um that really made me laugh so I, I I think it it worked for me as an adult. I mean, I I 
this is a series I want to pick up. We, we talked about Gotham a few weeks ago, and I've been kind of iffy about that series. But this is one I, I do want to pick up. And I, I think you're right. It does get dark, and that gets back to the Firefly idea about um, people who have had their homes destroyed by this this other force, this, um, this empire, uh, this imperial presence has uh, displaced people, is, is – taking away resources. There's a lot that's happening and we're focusing on this cast that is going to be fighting back in a small way and getting to the guardians of the galaxy part. It's going to be about how this cast comes together. And as you said, um, both of those series were based on star Wars and now they're kind of influencing this future of star Wars. Right. And, uh, there's a great article about that on star Wars.com written by Brian Young about how guardians of the galaxy is going to influence the, what's, what's to come. So, um, but yeah, and I mean, there's also there's there's also the other piece of it that they're using Ezra to basically sort of show why why are we going out and helping these people, and you see that yes. in his reaction. So he's sort of playing the part of you know he is sort of the everyman at this point, or not everyman, but sort of somebody that is is sort of out there for survival and is is being faced with some really hard truths about what's going on in the universe and is being forced to think outside of that about you know not just about his own survival about other people's survival and and you see this acted out and expanded upon um and of course the force is very strong with Ezra you know speaking um, of the force uh did you catch uh, the way they describe the force. Yeah, so they did not. They did not <laughs> <laughs> speak of the M word. There were there's no mention of midi chlorians. It was almost a verbatim Obi Wan Kenobi description of the force from Star Wars: uh-huh. A New Hope. Um, and that's an interest. I thought that was a that was that must have been done intentionally. Of course, it was done intentionally. Um, and <laughs> you know, also the other piece that I thought was very interesting is they introduce Agent Callus. I mean, Callus, what oh, a fantastic so name! I love, I love um, that. <laughs> and it, we, and he was great. Um, and they set him up. There's also you know, so they set him up pretty well. The the, you know. Um, I'm actually really interested to see that character develop. Me too. io9 had a great uh, point about this, that we're finally going to get to see the Empire as as the villain. And I know the Inquisitor is introduced at the end of the mm-hmm. episode, but they also have mentioned that he's not exactly a Sith. He's, no. he's kind of his own different thing. Um, so I think we're going to get to see more of the Empire. I think we're going to get to understand it a bit more. They've already said we're going to get to see new types of troopers. Um, and I think that all of that is going to be really interesting to see. We're, we're getting to see the Empire at its prime. Clone Wars are over. Mm-hmm. The Rebellion hasn't really begun yet. They're still probably building the Death Star somewhere. This is the Empire at its height. And what did that look like in this right. in this universe? Right. And then, you know, in terms of... So they really... I mean, as a pilot episode, I feel like they set up everything pretty well. Um, and they had, you know, they had the team building exercises. They had the the trap. They had them That's going... The they had them going back to rescue not only Ezra, but then going on to rescue the totally freaky looking Wookiees. You know, like, so... <laughs> oh, this, man. The Wookiee, seriously. The, the baby Wookiee was the, the baby Wookiee looked seriously. What? <laughs> what? Like when they were animating this, I can't imagine that they looked at this and thought this looks fantastic. I just, you know, this, and this is somebody that you know up until that point, I was like, okay, I'm really getting into this. And when the Wookiees yeah. came on screen, I was just like, what? What did they do? Um, I wanted, I wanted so hard to 
find them as cute, but they're I not. couldn't. They're strange looking. I had this weird, uncanny valley type yeah. of reaction. Yeah, they're kind of unco- it's uncomfortable to look at them. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's almost like it was it, it was pre production animation. Yeah. Well, um, and I'll tell you the other thing, and this is consistently an issue, as you know, that I have with a lot of um, animation, but it's the depiction of the female characters. Mm. Um, and they look extraordinarily, you know, it's, it's the, the tiny, and, you know, we've seen people talk about the way the, the frozen animation looked too. And, and this is no exception, unfortunately. Um, at least the female characters are pretty, you know, hardcore and that's cool. Cause one of you got like the pilot who's Hera. Yeah. You've yeah. got, um, Sabine. Sabine. Who's, who's really cool. This, who's, who's a Mandalorian yep. assassin. Awesome. Yep. And she's all into, you know, her pyrotechnics as you'd expect. And some really cool stuff goes on with her. And so I, I like how they wrote the characters, but I'm just kind of like, why do they have to look quite that way so yeah, but and, and hey this, baby steps right <laughs> yeah i mean this old come up in our crossover i i think the depiction was a little bit better in in clone wars of uh, especially of of women as well but i think you're totally right and this is something that disney is always nailed for it's uh the the way it portrays gender roles and uh and body images and and all of that is is not the best um so no, I think you're right about that, and I think so. You know, there we're gonna take it down down a couple notches for its animation, um, and it, hopefully it'll get better. But I do think the characters are in a good place. There's agency. There's um, interesting uh, group dynamics here. There's some humor. There's uh, some darkness there. This is setting up setting up things pretty nicely. I, I walked away from this thinking, you know, the force is strong with Disney. They, um, Star Wars is back, and I'm pretty excited to see what direction this is headed. And, and this is canon. You know, well, this- also, you know what I was thinking while watching it? I felt the same way. But I was also imagining kids watching this mm-hmm. and getting excited about it because it looks yes. cool. I mean, yep. it does. And I could see this. They clearly are trying very hard. So, you know, I think I think I will give this series a chance. And so I'm, I'm not I'm definitely at, despite some of my my <laughs> my points off for for certain things overall i think it was very successful and i and i'm looking forward to seeing how it progresses yeah and i will say um i've seen one more episode beyond this and i'm not going to spoil it but i will say uh they revisit some aspects that we've seen in other series um, or other uh, stories in Star Wars, and they have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that we've got a lot to look forward to. Before we get to a crossover, what do you think, if any, th- how do you think this is going to play out with Star Wars Episode Seven? I know we've o- we've only seen forty five minutes of of this and and it's already been renewed for season two um before the show premiered disney already renewed it um although one of the producers greg weissman has uh, is not going to be involved in season two and we don't know why hmm. so we know this has a long history ahead um but how do you think this is going to play out I mean, I think that they're going to probably do, I mean, if it's canon and they're making everything canon now and they're making, they're looking at the continuity, 
I, they're going to, I'm sure we may see some of these characters. Maybe they're already in existence and we don't know about it. J.J. Abrams is famously quite tight-lipped about things that go on in production. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, maybe we will see references to that. I feel like if they are talking this much about continuity, we're going to see references to characters or references to storylines. And that is their way, I think, of building the hype. And it's not a bad way. Um, and I think you're going to see more of a of a Marvel treatment of things in yeah. trying to get all those. And, and perhaps that is why Disney is doing this, is that, you know, hey, we're doing the like, the, look at what we're doing with Marvel over here. And we should be doing this with other franchises. And part of what you hear a lot from fans, especially with Star Wars, is that, you know. Um, oh, there, all these things contradict. There's no continuity, whatever. And you know what George Lucas says about continuity. Um, but yeah, he says it's silly. I know. <laughs> but, but you know, the fans don't necessarily always agree with that. And so maybe that's, I think that that's probably part of their, their overarching plan is to have some of these things tie in. So it's because people like seeing those Easter eggs. They like, they like seeing those tie-ins. Don't you agree? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the exact quote was, uh, uh, Lucas has said, is continuity is for wimps. Um, and <laughs> I think you're right. I, I think... You know, the the bottom line here is Disney wants this show to um, create a new generation of fans who are going to go see Star Wars Episode Seven. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. They want to get kids into it. They want to sell products, all that, the vertical integration, blah, blah, blah. I think the the storytelling perspective here and what is great about a company like Disney is they can t- – look, look at what they can do now. They can – they have a TV show. They have a series of comics that are going to start now in January. Um, they're going to have films. They're going to have rides. Um, this is such a um, a death star of a media empire that um, there's so much they can do. And this is a massive sandbox that, that George Lucas has created. There's so many areas to explore. Um, I would love to see one of these characters in Episode 7. That would be so cool yeah. to see that, to see that kind of crossover. Yeah, no, it'd be fantastic. So it's, yeah, I think that that may be where we're going. Um, and you know, maybe they already have somebody in mind that we don't even know about. Freddie Prince Jr. Perhaps he's going to redeem his role <laughs> w- or uh, reprise his role with his soul patch. Oh, <laughs> get rid of the soul patch. Anyway, uh, and on that note, speaking of soul patches, that has nothing to do. But <laughs> I am definitely ready on that note to enter into the infinite crossover chamber. Oh. Nice. In the crossover today, we are pitting Star Wars Rebels versus Star Wars Clone Wars, the brand new Star Wars animated series, facing off against their series. It has replaced and succeeded. So the question today is what, Conrad? I think that the question has to be, what is the better Star Wars story? I think that's, yeah, there's no other way around it. I mean, these are very, um, very well suited for the crossover. Like uh, like uh, with one of our previous episodes, we had we don't have to change the the adjustments on the chamber too much to get both of these uh, these TV animated series into the crossover to face off against each other. It's a pretty natural crossover. Um, we do have the 
uh, Clone Wars has many, many seasons, um, and Star Wars uh, Rebels has one episode that's aired right now. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to fact that, factor that into well, it. So what I was thinking when we were thinking about the crossover was, the you know, how they spliced together a lot of the first Clone Wars into the lawn yeah, like hour and, and a half. Like the miniseries. So that's what I I watched that and pitted it against. Okay, yeah, we the can Star totally. Wars Rebels, and because I felt like they were both sort of premieres, even though obviously Clone Wars was a lot longer yeah. <laughs> in that little miniseries. So, um, so that's what I did. So I did not go back and watch all six seasons of. Uh, of Clone Wars and the six- I haven't so I haven't seen every episode of Clone Wars but I've seen a lot of it um so I can kind of bring in that other perspective too um it's hard not to um but these are these are two two very different shows and they're they're set in different eras so uh we've talked about Rebels a lot and how it takes place between episode 3 and 4 Clone Wars takes place between Star Wars episode 2 and 3 it mm-hmm. is all about the Clone Wars. It is about um, these battles. It is about some of these lead characters and the missions they go on and side stories that are re- that you don't see in those two movies. You know, the, the two movies are basically the beginning and end mm-hmm. of the Clone War, and the Clone Wars, the animated series, kind of fills in the gaps between them. Right. So you have a lot of Anakin. You have a lot of Obi Wan. Um, you've got you know you get to see. Um, Amidala, Padme, and all the old favorites, basically. Yeah, and, and then a, you've got that new little character, Ahsoka. Um, yep, who you're following through most of the series. Who is who is actually really cool. Um, I like that character a lot. It's finally we get a female Jedi character mm-hmm. um, who's, who's who's getting not, who's not an evil Sith. <laughs> character. You mean? <laughs> yeah. Although you know what, the female Sith character is pretty cool too. No, that is true. That is true. I'm pretty excited about that. And and there, there's also, as the series goes on, you see uh, Darth Maul makes a return. And, you know, speak, there, the show is, I think, darker than what we've seen with Rebels. Um, you know, it's also called Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, it's going to be a little bit more adult. You know, yeah, totally. Um, it's also shown out of order. Yeah. Which, it's weird because it's, it's kind of shown as these these updates from the the front lines, these kind of news bulletins is kind of how it starts, but it's totally shown out of order. That's where that comment from George Lucas comes from, that continuity is for wimps. And um, it's the, the official website released the official uh, list of watching the episodes in order mm-hmm. and to see the larger storyline, but there's a lot of... It doesn't follow one cast. I mean, yeah, you see those title characters, um, but it, it goes around. You might have one episode that's just with clone troopers and then one episode with Obi-Wan and one right. with Ahsoka. And they're not, I mean, it, they they don't follow a timeline. Like, it is very confusing. Um, so I had originally, when we had talked about doing the show, I was like, oh, I've never seen Clone Wars. And then I realized I had. I had seen <laughs> several different episodes. I just had never watched anything, you know, like, I, I would catch them here and there, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. And then... Um, and apparently you weren't missing anything by doing that. Well, apparently I wasn't. Um, and But part of what confused me when I was doing this, I was just sort of like 
the different ones, I was like, oh, like, I wonder what season I'm on because this doesn't make any, you know, like it just seemed so <laughs> disjointed. And um, I'm actually really psyched that they're all on Netflix now. Yeah. Um, including yeah. the final season. Yeah, um, with, with some of the unaired episodes. Yeah, oh. which is totally awesome. Um, but the look of it is great. Um, I love I love how Clone Wars looks. It looks beautiful. And the sound. Oh, the sound is great. The sound, um, you know, when you listen to it, it's just sort of like you can hear that soundtrack. And that's going to like, for me anyway, that that totally like clicks all those, uh, you know. Nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. Because you hear that and it's sort of like. Okay, I don't really care what's going on right now, but that music's going on. It's awesome. the John Williams score is blasting, and I am good. Yeah. You know, and it's beautiful, and it, it is it beautiful. Does, it does evolve visually as the series goes on. It, it, it looks a little bit more boxy when it starts with, the, especially with that mini series. But yep. where you see it by the end, um, it's very no, lush. It, it it's definitely very it, cinematic. It definitely advances. It definitely gets a lot more cinematic and beautiful. And there is obvious to me. It's so obvious that there was so much care that went into doing all of this beautiful i mean the animation is gorgeous um, and the acting and, too and we the got, acting is the good actors are fantastic here uh, james arnold taylor um playing obi-wan mm-hmm. um sam whitward does an amazing job uh, kate tabar uh awesome as as amadala there's really uh just a fantastic cast here although uh, i will tell you like especially watching the miniseries what you were talking about about the all the cast being in the room with star wars rebels there's some weird things that they do with the speech in mm-hmm. like the first miniseries. It's very clipped and strange. Um, and it almost sounds like they sped it up a little bit or something. <laughs> so that I found, I was like, because I watched this after I watched Star Wars Rebels to refresh my memory. And yeah. it was noticeable. So that was something, even though I think the acting is fantastic, that was just sort of this weird little thing that happened. Well, and then that might give us a little hope for Rebels here that they might fix some of the tech glitches, whatever mm-hmm. they may be. And I think one of the problems that I had with Clone Wars, which is the problem I have with pretty much every prequel, is you could never really have an intense fight with Count Dooku because he's supposed to die in episode three, well, right. not in animated series, right? So and you know that that's not going to exactly. go down, and that's exactly. kind of hard. I mean, I mean, the other thing, and, you know, I love Star Wars, and you know I love Star Wars, but it's sort of like I part of what I am finding refreshing about Star Wars Rebels is that these are new stories, yeah. And they're not. We're not trying to tread over new ground. And and I yes, I know Clone Wars like visits a lot of different characters. It isn't just, you know, sort of like rehashing a lot of stuff. But it is kind of rehashing a lot of stuff. It does. So, it does. Uh, you know, and I like seeing it. But part of me is really happy to see new stories out there. So, yeah. and that's why I think the most compelling part of Clone Wars was Ahsoka's story. Um, this was a new character and a character we haven't seen. Um, oh, and she's a pretty feisty character. Yeah, like she's yeah. pretty cool. And you know, it's it's. Oh, that was the other thing that I noticed about um, Star Wars Rebels is that you have a much more diverse cast. And watching that compared to. Um, to the Clone Wars, other than if, like, like when you're looking at some of the old favorites, you're kind of like, oh, you know, it, like they definitely worked on that, and I think that Clone Wars brings in a lot of people that weren't well, clearly originally part of like the 
you know, episode I four agree. and on. I, no, but, I agree. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was definitely clear to me that Star Wars Rebels is making a very big effort to do that, which yeah, I'm psyched and, about. So, And the, those new characters that were introduced in Clone Wars had to sort of be killed off or kind mm-hmm. of set off into the sunset to kind of wrap up the series because we don't see them in episode three. Right. So, so. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, qu- the question so, here yes. so, is... So let's talk about our question. What's the better Star Wars story? And uh, I think we have to define that a little bit. What what is a Star Wars story? Like, what is the existential necessary requirements for something to qualify as a Star Wars story? Well, I think it has to be a hero's journey. I think hero's journey, I think we can also fit in there... um, a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think sometimes those terms can be synonymous. So uh, clearly, we're seeing a character go uh, on a quest to um, uh, to face off, learn, level up, um, come back a changed person. Mm-hmm. That's- and and for these purposes, I think we can probably I don't want to say pit, but we can compare Ezra with Ashoka. Yes, yeah, because I to me, that's-, that's the clear comparison. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, so we've got, and they're both. I, I mean, Ezra is is clearly going to become. He is an apprentice now to Kanan, so perhaps will be a Padawan. Um, yep. Although they're not saying that yet. Um, Ashoka is a Padawan um, who's been, at least in the in- initial miniseries, was foisted upon Anakin. Yep. Um, yep. And he kind of decides he likes her, so. Um, so you've got these two, um, and the difference is, is that she clearly has been following this path and Ezra is kind of falling into it and just discovering this path. He's more of a Luke Skywalker type, um, who doesn't really know too much about the force. Uh, so we've got that. And I think a good Star Wars story is always set in, um, it's, it's sort of a fantasy in space, um, and it has that fairy tale aspect of mm-hmm. uh, of morals and messages, and um, there. I think both both Clone Wars and Rebels do explore that. Um, even in the limited one episode we've had of of Rebels, we've seen that, um, and it's all set against the backdrop of galactic uh, war or mm-hmm. galactic rebellion, and I think we see that in both here too. So. Um, I don't know, Conrad. It's it's coming pretty. Cl- it's. I think if if you know, and again, I I just use the midi series as a as a refresher, and and if we compare those two stories against each other, I think it's a pretty close tie, honestly. Um, and I think in different ways, but I don't know that you can say a better Star Wars story, but I think that they are both in keeping, um, with the canon. Yeah, I, I came into this crossover wanting to give it to uh, Rebels uh, because I think one of the things that Rebels is doing better is it's focusing on one small group of people yeah, and it's going to follow that. And Clone Wars was a little chaotic where it it kind of ex- – I, I liked this about Clone Wars. Don't get me wrong. I liked when it went off and it did kind of a, a small series of episodes on the banking crisis and the economic collapse. <laughs> and, Gee, I like, wonder I wonder what George Lucas was channeling there. Right, um, but that's, that's kind of cool. That's no, like, it is. That's like it a is, Star Trek thing to it do. It totally is cool. And I like how they 
they use sort of the the background of the Clone Wars to explore different characters and things that I think as a Star Wars fan, you're always curious about seeing, you know what I mean? Because you get to see sort of these little cameo appearances of different species and things like that. And I think that they show more of them in Clone Wars. And that's a very cool thing. But you're right. It is a very vast cast. It's it's not it's, it's very not tight expansive. in its focus um and that's that's why i'm i am gonna vote for rebels here and i think it's completely intentional they're trying to channel something that is much more original trilogy i really liked clone wars i loved it but it was less traditional star wars and just like the prequels is a little the prequel films are a little bit different than than star wars george lucas really had his hands in clone wars and i think it's Probably the best Star Wars he's done since. Yes, and I mean, but I, I guess if you're if you're looking at original trilogy and if that is your definition of a Star Wars story as as it should be, then you got to give it to Rebels. Yeah, you. I I think you. So I just convinced you out of your tie. No, not necessarily, because I mean, I I totally convinced you. No, I'm just saying if that's what your (laughs) definition is, and. I think you also have to recognize that the Star Wars universe is vast. So, so what is that? Seems like a total cop out. You're like agreeing to both. No, I'm saying that I still, I still think that it's a tie. I just think it depends on your definition of what a good Star Wars story is. All right, you say tie. I'm saying Rebels. Dear listeners, let us know um, what you think uh, is the and, better Star Wars and, story. And you know, from a Wookiee depiction. Hmm. <laughs> If we were debating what had the better Wookiees, Clone Wars had total cuter Wookiees. Their, than, their uh, Wookiees than, were a lot better. Than the Uncanny Valley <laughs> Wookiees we had in Rebels. I want you to put just a f- picture of one on our show notes so people understand oh, how I don't traumatized. Want to scare away, I don't want to scare away new listeners, Conrad. You can't do that. <laughs> All right. Um, let's close those doors uh, to the Infinite Crossover Chamber. And hyperspace our way into the top five um conrad what's what's our top five this week our top five this week um we decided to try (laughs) to define our top five animated series well boy which is is, this is a big one (laughs) this is really hard this is really hard for me yeah um well okay so how did you go about um making your list um, I, I tried to combine it and think of the animated series that had an impact on me. And so I watched an awful lot of animated series growing up. Um, and as an aside, did you realize that this past weekend was the first Saturday morning without Saturday morning cartoons? That was, I, I read that headline and at first I'm like, what is this? Like an onion article? I don't get it. Um, cause I just didn't believe it, but it makes sense. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, um, yeah. so apparently just with, uh, Netflix and people's access, I mean, this is the thing, you know, I grew up Saturday morning cartoons. It was like, it was awesome. Cause you could get up early, your parents were sleeping and you, people who weren't generally allowed to watch a lot of TV, you know, and even we only had three channels. So you can yeah. imagine the choices of Saturday morning cartoons <laughs> that there were, but we still were able to watch them. Um, and we would get up early and, you know, it was something my siblings and I would do and we would watch cartoons and fight over who got to watch what. Um, but it was just sort of, you know, with Schoolhouse Rock, um, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, 
It was just something part of my childhood. So, but now because cartoons are everywhere, they're you can everywhere. watch a cartoon at any time on any channel or on the internet. Right. Um, so, you know, our kids really gain up that early, and I guess they all the networks have to fit in some level of, of educational programming, and that's very loosely defined, apparently. Um, so they basically have taken up those cartoon, taking out the cartoons and put in some kind of odd educational planning. Um, I don't know what all the educational planning is, so I, I know I'm not actually speaking with any knowledge of this. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so Saturday morning cartoons are gone. Yeah, it's it's a bummer, but I think we're probably going to get some Saturday morning cartoons on this top five list. Um, you know, I, I had a real hard time with this as well, and I had to fight the instinct to go with nostalgia. So I really relegated nostalgia to more of my honorable mentions, and I tried to go with um, what I think is the better, uh, the stories that hold up over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has makes gives me more of an eclectic list than I really had anticipated. So we'll see how these stack up against each other. All right. Um, I, I had to have a little nostalgia in there. I did pick ones that, at the time where the stories were like really kind of they, they you know, I, I kept away from some of the, the clear <laughs> the ones that you would expect me to pick, which are like Justice League <laughs> and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, but I, you know, I tried to pick sort of different points of time. So I didn't go all nostalgia. So I kind of go up through the timeline with my top five. Cool. You want to start things off then? Sure. Um, my number five is the Dungeons and Dragons animated series. There was a Dungeons and Dragons animated series? Um, yes. And the really cool thing about this series, and actually even in thinking about this list and thinking about some of the shows and things that I really like, it makes so much more, it makes so much, much sense when I think about this show. Um, it was about this group of kids that basically get, um, and it was, um, I th- this was produced by um, Marvel, by the way. Oh, um, okay. So, or Marvel Productions did this. When was this? Was this, uh, um, this was, no, no, this was uh, like early 80s, um, okay. 83 through 85. And it wasn't, I mean, it was only three seasons of it, but it was um, these friends that get basically sucked into a time vortex or something into a realm of Dungeons and Dragons when they ride a magical roller coaster. (laughs) Um, As one does. And when they arrive in the realm, they meet the dungeon master and he gives each of them a magical item, which is very Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, And they basically have to, they want to find their way back home. And they take these different detours to help people. Um, They come across enemies. It's pretty, it's it's actually a pretty dark cartoon series. Um, But it also reminds me, like when I think about it, it reminds me a little bit of Quantum Leap and a little bit of Lost. Okay. It's got oh. some of those themes going on, and it there's some really there's some super weird stuff in this. Um, there was and there were some super creepy villains like the Shadow Demon and um, Venger, which was the main person, which is like a the the main character that is trying to thwart them all the time, and he's basically like a devil character. Um, so. Yeah, they go through all of this, and I, I am going to totally spoil it for everybody, but they never get home. 
Oh, and it's I was like, totally going to watch it, and now you just Sorry. You were gonna, <laughs> yeah, like you were going to watch it. Um, <laughs> but in any case, it was like this sort of dark thing, and I remember being like, this is just sort of a weird cartoon series. And it had interesting stories, and of course it was Dungeons and Dragons. So anyway, that is cool. my number five. What is your Good number pick. five? Well, my number five is a uh, a little bit more recent, and uh, it's it's my most wibbly wobbly pick out of my picks. So, um, my number five is Robot Chicken. Oh, interesting! And it's it's animated. <laughs> that it, is it, my number four, Ollie. <laughs> oh, cool! <laughs> so, not a mind meld there, but yes, uh, that's on my list. Cool. No, I. Um, I'm glad it's on your list. I, th- I think it deserves a lot more attention. I don't think a lot of people know about it. Um, um, it's very, I mean, it's very, I, I don't think that that's not, I don't think that's wibbly wobbly as you think, maybe. Maybe other people disagree. I was afraid people would say, well, no, technically it's not a drawn animated series. Um, that's my complaining, criticizing voice, by the way, if people are <laughs> wondering. I've stolen it from Conan O'Brien. Um, but it, it's a, uh, it's a claim. Well, it's not claymation, but it's a stop motion um, animated series that's been on since 2005. The episodes are like, you know, 10, 15 mm-hmm. minutes long, uh, created by Seth Green and Matthew Senrich. Um, w- what they do is they take popular or pop culture characters. Sometimes they have original characters and they do these parodies. And sometimes the parodies are just really out there and really kind of graphic. And this is not something for the for the young kids, but no. it is something for the the old the, kids. For the old kids, <laughs> no, totally. Um, um, can I invest you that I have a uh, the My Pretty Ponies of the Apocalypse T-shirt? Oh, that's I've never seen that. You it's wear that. it's awesome. really incredible, and I had to have it after I saw this on Robot Chicken. Love it, love it. Um, but there's, you know, it's kind of like if you were an adult and you had access to all these toys and the stories that you would come up with. Mm-hmm. That's this, and they're so nerdy. You know, they had a, a DC superheroes episode like a year ago that was hilarious. They've done a ton of Star Trek episodes. They speaking of Star Wars, they have done. Um, They've done a few Star Wars specials that are just amazing. Amazing. Yeah, they really uh, are. And they, I mean, they call out some of the things that people have called out as criticisms. They're, yep. they're really good. Um, so it's, yeah. It's a great mix of satire and comedy and a little bit of black comedy. Um, mm-hmm. So at, at least um, if you haven't heard of it, please check it out, especially if you're you know, in your uh, 30s or 40s, they make fun of a lot of the stuff that we all grew up with. Um, so you will you will get a kick out of watching this show. Robot Chicken. My number five, your number four. Yes. What was your number f- uh, four then? Oh, yeah, that's right. I should go with my number four. Um, mm-hmm. This is another one that I'm wondering if it might be on your list. Uh, we shall find out. My number four is Futurama. Uh, that is my number two. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is, because these are awesome animated shows. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. So why is uh, Futurama your number two, you said? Yes. Um, well, okay, so I when did you start watching this? Out of I started watching it when it came out. Me too. Um, yeah. And it was one of those things where I started watching it. I kept trying to get other people to watch it, and nobody seemed quite as interested in it as I was and I kept just I mean it was very cleverly written it's um 
You know, it just the whole storyline, there's so many just amazing references. There's clearly Star Wars references and parodies in there. Um, there's just... Um, a lot of Star Trek. There uh, a is lot of sci-fi. A lot of sci-fi of- stuff, uh, just yeah. generally. Um, and Bar- it's Rella, just... There's like a Barbarella stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's extraordinarily clever. It's adult. It's, um, and, you know, it was, it was created by... Um, Matt, uh, Matt Groening, Groening from, from Simpsons, creator of Simpsons. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think it, that's why some people might have dismissed it. They're like, "Oh, well, it's like a sci-fi geekier Simpsons." Right, um, and it follows this main character, uh, Philip Fry, who basically gets cryogenically <laughs> frozen for a thousand years, and um, then ends up in uh, the thirty-first century, yeah. and he finds his his uh, you know. Like um, the the last in his line, basically, who's yeah. like this old, weird scientific, you know, science scientist, and it's it's just a very clever series. It brings a lot of of pop culture into it, um, and you you've I don't know about you, Ollie, but I just found myself chuckling as oh, I was watching absolutely. it. Just couldn't stop laughing. You know, they do they do things like have social commentary as science fiction does, but in a hilarious way. And one of the brilliant moves that they had, you know, not only is um, Fry our connection to this universe, but also they have all these uh, celebrities um, preserved with with heads. Oh, it's so fantastic. (laughs) So Um, you have that connection to all these characters. um, And it's it's just the way that they do these stories is uh, fantastically funny. And it's a show that is incredibly resilient. It, it was canceled so many times, mm-hmm. brought back so many times. Um, it was uh, then taken from Fox to uh, Comedy Central, I think. Um, and it, it finally wrapped up uh, in 2013. Um, you know, I mean, it started 1999 to 2000, uh, 2003 and then 2008 to 2013. It's a resilient show that has uh, defied death, uh, mm-hmm. much like uh, Stephen, uh, the, their character Fry. <laughs> right. And it's also, I mean, it is a very adult show. I will also say that. There's a lot of adult themes throughout it. Um, so not for kids, really, I don't think, anyway. And, and, and uh, what you get as a result of that is there's some episodes that are just uh, very moving and mm-hmm. very touching. I, I, I'm thinking of a Fry episode where he um, he kind of goes into the future and 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 some stuff happens and um, it's it can be an incredibly moving show at times. It's right. In addition uh, to the the silliness, it can be very very moving, and they touch on some really interesting themes. So that is why I put it so high up on my list. So I'm curious now to see what thwarted what you what you ranked above it. Well. Um, so we've got five, we've did four, we've got your two. So that takes us to three. Mm-hmm. Um, my three, this is a natural uh, next one for me, which is The Simpsons is my number three. Ah, okay. That makes total sense. Yeah, and is it on your, your top five? Um, I didn't, I put in my honorable mentions because I had Futurama. Really? Well, because I had Futurama on there, um, I just felt like, the Simpsons to me, like I loved it, and I still think it's very clever and still great. But um, I, I felt like Futurama, at least for the mo- most part, kept speaking to me, and The Simpsons kind of stopped. So I, I agree with that. I so I just kind of that's why it's in my honorable mention, even though it's clearly 
probably we should have had a top 10 here but but well, yeah. in fact in my in my list um i have listed simpsons parentheses season one through seven. Oh, there you go uh and i stopped watching it past season 10 i believe um and look we're on like season 25 here um there has been a lot of simpsons and we know uh, i'm sorry we've had 26 seasons and i think um, this is probably going to be the last one. But, uh, I mean, this show has been going on for a very long time. So it definitely deserves mention as the, one of the longest-running animated series of all time. But uh, uh, what's why I put The Simpsons here and Futurama, and, you know, a lot of credit here goes to uh, the creator, Matt Groening, who created two fantastic um, sci-fi shows. Or, I'm, not, I'm sorry, animated shows, not sci-fi. The cool thing about Simpsons is um, I watched it as a kid when these seasons were originally airing, season one, one through seven, and I got all the Bart humor, you know, the mm-hmm. the underpants stuff, the cowabunga, not cowabunga, um, all that stuff that Bart did. And then I watched it again as a teenager, and I see episodes again as an adult, and I start to pick up on all the little things that I never picked up on before, all the sort of smart satire the social commentary or just you know like like i learned the word you know uh epidurus from simpsons you know (laughs) like they're uh, just like the little funny things that were there and all the great writers that have uh, been on this show this is a very smart cartoon at least it was and there's been some great episodes ever since and i know they just had their huge uh family guy simpsons crossover episode which was a long time coming um but there's there's so many things you can talk about the show whether it's you know a, a family that um that isn't perfect and struggles yet finds ways to to love each other and to move on um or you know the religious community who really loves Ned Flanders and his his character on the show and how he kind of continues to stick up for his beliefs despite what other people might say there's or you want to talk about all the guest appearances this is a very expansive show that has had some wonderful episodes wonderful seasons and it's been very long running for a very good reason i agree with you so good pick so what's your number three conrad um my number three is animaniac slash pinky of the brain uh, they're picky, they're pinky, yep. and the brain, 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 um, brain, and, brain, brain. Um, and, you know, Animaniacs was on um, starting in 90, 90, hmm, I want to say it was in the 90s. So I remember watching this, um, you know, the... the um, I want to say the mid-90s. Yeah, it was something like that. And then Pinky and the Brain kind of was a little spinoff and went on, I think, a little longer. So, um, yeah, no, so it was 93 to 98. So that's yep. about, yep. Um, and then, you know, it was it was a an animated show that was a collaboration <laughs> from uh, Steven Spielberg and Warner Brothers. Um, so it was really... It was well done. There was like a lot of pop culture references. Um, there was slapstick. Um, and it was definitely more geared toward adults. 
So that that was something that I really was appreciating at the time. And then Peaky and the Brain was just so ridiculous and and amazing. (laughs) And there are these two lab rats, which I'm sure people know. What are we going to do tonight? Yes, I know. Uh, Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. um, And I don't know if you remember this, but they do a parody of Winnie the Pooh. No. Which you should definitely remember. see if what? you have not seen. It's pretty incredible. Um and it's it's called um like the the megalomaniac sorry, the meg I'm gonna be able to even say it. Um megalomaniacal adventures of Brainy the Pooh. <laughs> and so they have like a cameo cameos and it, so instead of Tigger, it's Jagger and instead of um Eeyore, it's Al Gore. And oh, there's just great. so, and Christopher Walken that's... makes uh, he is Christopher Robin, um, and it's just really ridiculous and and sort of horrible and twisted, but amazing. So, yes, that you know, is that was that was in the era where Warner Brothers was doing um, some nice parodies of itself mm-hmm. with uh, Pinky the Brain, with Animaniacs, um, with Tiny Toon Adventures. Uh, they were poking fun at themselves a lot, and that that was really. As a kid, I was like, oh, my gosh, these different characters are appearing on the same show. And I thought it was kind of blowing my mind in the same way that um, that Roger Rabbit did when I saw that as a kid. I'm like, how are these different franchises coming together? Um, so, yeah, it was it was smart. Um, and yeah, it was and pushing also, the, the edge of it. Well, it was pushing the edge of it, but it was also bringing in some nostalgia. So, like, there, yeah. the music involved with this is very, uh, like, Looney Tunes and very, you know, it's kind of pushing those nostalgia buttons, too, by all, but also being a little bit wicked and um, really clever, really, you know, uh, very witty, too. So... I can I, totally see totally see how '90s Conrad loves. Oh this. my gosh! I totally see. Please, it. 2014 Conrad loves this. <laughs> um, so, in any case, yes. So that is why it's on the list. Good pick. Good pick. Um, my uh, we talked about my number three Simpsons. Let's head into uh, our top two. Um, my number two is something that I adore. Um, something I think is uh, very controversial among uh, certain age groups, and it is uh, South Park. <laughs> the it's my honorable mention. Well, of course, of course, it's got to be. Yep. And um, here's why I love South Park. I didn't like it as much when it first aired. It it started to air as I was um, just wrapping up high school, and the animation was super cheap, and it was a lot of kind of bathroom humor at first. At least that was my perception of it. And um, I didn't start watching it until a few years later. And what you know, I said Simpsons, the early few seasons are my favorites. For South Park, it's the recent seasons. And here's why. Um, there's a great documentary called uh, Seven Days to Air, I believe, which is about how the new South Park episodes are put together. Ever since they went CG, they were able to create an episode um, from scratch and have it air seven days later. What that allows South Park to do is create episodes that are very, very topical. And... Um, it's their way of commenting on what's happening right now, almost as it's happening. Mm-hmm. So um, 
basically like with the speed that Colbert Report or Daily Show or um, Saturday Night Live are able to comment on what's happening now, South Park is able to do that. And uh, they do it amazingly. They just had a great new episode air uh, that was uh, about NFL and all the PR disaster that NFL has been in. Um, and it's it was an amazing episode. It's a very smart show. If you can look past the bathroom humor and pick up on the satire, it is a wonderful, wonderful television program. Now, there is a lot of bathroom humor, mm-hmm. and there's this is not really for kids either. Um, pretty much nothing in my top five, except for, well, maybe my number one is for kids. But, um, boy, uh, uh, there's a lot There's a lot there for in South Park. I, I can see that as a choice. It was in my honorable mentions because, you know, I have not watched it for a while. Um, and I definitely haven't watched it recently, but I agree with you. I think that it is a commentary about things that are going on now, and it's incredibly difficult to do that and be on point. And I think that some of the controversy they cause is uncomfortable, but it also spurs conversation. Yep, And I I think that that's, you know, whether you agree with that or not, the fact that the conversation is happening um, is important. Yep. I couldn't say it better myself. Um, what is your, your number two is Futurama. So what's Mm -hmm. your number one, Conrad? Um, my number one is Batman, the animated series. Animated series. Of course it is, because that's mine too. Yay. Okay. Uh, I will. We knew that was going to be. I, you know what? I thought, hmm, I thought you might have X-Men on there. You know, I was thinking about it. And then I rewatched a little bit of it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is very 90s. Yeah, I know. It's hard. It's hard to, it doesn't hold up and it's hard to, you know. Um, I had a, you know, this is the thing. I had a few thoughts about what could be in this number one list. And X-Men was sort of in my, in my honorable mentions because it's hard to watch. Um, you know, Justice League, the reboot. Uh, Justice yeah. League anime series is actually really great, yeah. but um, I enjoy Batman more. Yeah, um, I still like those stories, and it's still fun for me to watch. But and it's it holds up. It does. Contact. It does. And acting, Mark Hamill as Joker, the 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 Art Deco style. It's, it's, it's lush. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So I mean, it's it kind of can't. I mean, just. I had to have it as number one. So, and we've talked about it enough here. I think that we don't have to go too crazy, but I just think that if you haven't seen it and you like comic books, um, and just generally, I, I don't, I just, I wouldn't even say that I like it just because it's an animated series. I think it's a fantastic storytelling. So absolutely, I completely agree with you. If you like Batman or if you like a cartoon series, I think you you got to watch Batman the animated series. And if you have it, if you have seen it, as we mentioned on the Gotham episode, friends of the show, Andrea Ladamenti and Brian Ward do a great podcast where they're psychoanalyzing every episode of Batman the animated series, and that just speaks to the quality of uh, the writing and the characters and the complexity that um, these two individuals so many years later are able to have deep dives into each and every episode. I mean, there's so much meat there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about it so much, but I think one thing we can talk about here, do you have a favorite episode from the, from um, the- you know, I'd have to, I'd have to go back and actually rewatch it, but yeah. um, it's um, our favorite character. Oh, come on. Joker? You're going to say Joker, aren't you? No. Batman? No. You're going to say Batman? Well, Batman's awesome in this, and he doesn't disappoint me. You're going to say Bane. 
No, I am not going to say Bane. Um, I do. I will tell you in terms of the portrayals of Batman, if you're like comparing different things, um, the way Batman is portrayed in this series, I really like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, Kevin Conroy's voice. Yeah, I mean, he's is really. It is the voice of Batman. Um, and so for me, that has to be my favorite character just because, you know, how people debate over whether, you know, Christian Bale or, or Ben Affleck and whatever. I never <laughs> I never feel that way about um, about Batman and Batman, the animated series. Um, I also, you know, um, I like I like Harley Quinn. In yeah. this, and and she was born in and, Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, and she was great. And you know, you see a lot of people running around in their their cosplay. Um, I think some of the the villains that they they bring into this are kind of cool. Um, you know, like 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 don't you agree? I like some of what they oh, yeah. do with some of the villains, where you you get to see a little bit more in this series. Um, but what's your what's your favorite? Oh, I've got one. Um, my is it Dick Grayson? Epi- no, no, no. My favorite—I I got a favorite episode, and this ties into what you were just talking about. My favorite ap- episode of Batman: The Animated Series is almost got him. This is the episode where um, it's a little bit of a cheat because it's almost like multiple episodes in one. Where all uh, Bat—it's—it uh, it takes place in Arkham Asylum. We see many of the villains. They're at a like a table. They're like playing poker or something, and they're sharing stories of how they almost got Batman. And then you hear Croc and his, and he's kind of like this idiot in that episode. And then we find out, spoiler alert, that Croc is actually Batman in disguise, and that he like. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is a great episode. Right? That episode is so much fun. It just makes me think like, wow, look at these criminals. They're so hardcore. They almost got Batman and all these stories. And then Batman comes at the end is like, you're all wrong. You know, and (laughs) just like lays the smack down. Um, That's one of my favorite episodes. And then, but there's also the ninja episodes, which are pretty cool. Yeah, those are cool. Um, Gosh, there's so much. We could, we could totally. We could talk about this a lot. A lot. We really could. I mean, it's, it's, it's very well done. It made me very happy to see it. I always, I enjoyed watching it. It was like a comfort series for me a little bit we should we should do some um some screenings of it because i I, i've every now and then i'll rewatch a few episodes and boy it really holds up well really holds up well no it does um and it's you know and it's a it's definitely more adult oriented too though but i think it also works kids can watch it but there's some there's definitely you know uh it's it's there is some physical violence and things like that so i would say like in terms of if you know you may want to screen it that's all i'm saying if yeah, you if you have no, kids that you're kind of um because it also i mean it shows firearms it does like yeah, it, it shows does. a lot of weapons it shows uh, you know so it's not totally overt but it's definitely more overt than maybe some people would like to see so, uh, what's on your honorable mentions, Conrad? Oh, I've mentioned most of them at this point, but it's, um, I had, uh, Family Guy, I had Spawn, I had South Park, X-Men, Simpsons, Justice League, um, 
And that's just a very tiny list because there's so many that could be on here. So Family Guy, I go back and forth about. Um. Uh, you know what? It's one of those things. It also pushed the envelope. I think that it, it does. Did. It does sort of get redundant, um, which is part of why it ends up on my on my honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Yeah, um, yeah I do I think agree. it's clever. I think it also, much like Futurama, um, got canceled and brought back. Um, and part of why it got canceled was because people thought it was just so not PC that they were like, it has to be taken off the air, you know? And and, and it was one of those first big DVD hits where mm-hmm. people, it was just flying off shelves. Uh, and then that's what was brought back. And it's still here now. Right. And um, the writing, and you know what? Some of the, if you've ever seen any of the sort of making of, like um, Seth MacFarlane, he does... Um, a he, lot of voices. Well, he does a lot of voices, but also for every single episode, they use a full live, um, like, orchestra. Yeah. And yeah, they have yeah. that going on and he's very like very um in tune to that like how he wants the show to be and the craft of it and I just think that that much dedication deserves a tip of the hat. You know the other thing about Seth, Seth MacFarlane is he made a ton of money off Family Guy mm-hmm. and had he had had that not happened we probably wouldn't have Cosmos the the Correct. reboot. Well, um, not just that, he does tons of things like that. So Yeah. Yeah. Um I just think he does uh, like a really good job um, at uh, he does a great job of the writing um, and the teams of writers do a great job there. Um, and, you know, and, and again, he, he, it is there is social commentary thrown in there in in the goofiness. It's not quite. It, I guess it is in your face, but South Park's a little more raunchy, I suppose. I don't know. It's hard to. They, it's probably a toss up sometimes. It's um, a toss up sometimes. But it's but, uh, you know, yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you that. Um, I, he's also a big Trekkie, so I, I like the guy for hmm. that. Um, so my honorable mentions include X Men the animated series. I did put it here despite its uh, really nineteen <laughs> nineties rock score. Oh, it's rough. It's, <laughs> it's rough. It's, it is rough, but I, I still love that show. Uh, the critic, uh, it stinks. <laughs> Yeah, I, that was great. I love that show, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Did mm. you ever watch that? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was um, a fun one. You know, <laughs> another one which I really, uh, I wanted to put on here, but I just, you know, it was The Tick. Oh, I love The Tick. The love Tick was the great, tick. and it's like a comic book hero, like, parody, basically. So it's kind of making fun of all the superhero things, um, which maybe I should have put it on my list. I just don't, I, it's tough. I can't choose. I can't choose. Well, and I had one classic, um, and I went with uh, the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Oh, uh, nice. And I just, I loved going to, we had a Bullwinkles down the street from me, which was like a Chuck E. Cheese's, but with the Bullwinkles characters. And um, what was the character who went back in time all the time? Uh, uh, the character who went back in time with the dog or something. Mm-hmm. Um Anyways, I love those segments, and it was it was one of those ones where I think it was also they snuck in some adulty kind of stuff um, that went over my head as a kid. But um, I lo- I really like that animated series. Wait, are you talking about Mr. Peabody? Mr. Peabody. Yeah, Mr. he was a part of the Bullwinkle show, right? Yeah. Um, and it was uh, Mr. Peabody and and Sherman. I don't. You know what? I never caught the um. The new movie that came out. I didn't out. either. Nah, I'm okay. Not You're okay that. not seeing it. Just yeah. I, I liked him as a character, though. He was great. I do want to share uh, of listener uh, feedback as well. Uh, Justin Weatherby, 
he sent in his top five and uh, some that we've mentioned and some we did not. Um, Animaniacs was on his list, oh, that's... as which as it should be. Uh-huh. Um, DuckTales. Yes. And um, uh, did he put Darkwing Duck? Because that was another Darkwing one of my Duck's favorites. Also, yeah, yeah, it's also on his list, um, which those are uh, DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, uh, Tailspin, and Chippendale Rescue Rangers were oh, so Disney, staples. So basically uh, Disney Afternoon. Well, those are mine. I just, I just kind of went on a. Oh, okay, wait, what were the but rest of his? Justin had Animaniacs, Ducktales, Tom and Jerry, Felix the Cat, Darkwing mm-hmm. Duck, and last but not least, Inspector Gadget. Oh, nice! That's a good list. That's a good list. So we would love to hear your list, listeners. Let us know what um, goes on your top five list of animated TV shows. Uh, we would. <sighs> Love, love to get this list. And it's probably going to make me pretty nostalgic, Conrad, because now I want to watch a little bit of DuckTales. Woo! Did you see the DuckTales done with real ducks video that was floating around yes, the internet? Um, yes. Yeah. I also, I was just thinking, Darkwing Duck had this fantastic episode where Darkwing and uh, Megavolt, or ne- is it Megavolt? Maybe a Megavolt. No, because there's Megaduck. Sorry. Um, it, <laughs> Megavolt, they get sort of put into our world, like the human world. What? Yeah. And it's so amazing. And um, Megavolt is like so upset. And he's he's just like, there's this one line where he says something like, take that, you weird nosed freaks. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they're like humans. Um, it's a super amazing episode. Anyway. I loved Darkwing Duck. Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. So let us know, listeners, uh, what's on your top five. Let us know what you thought of Star Wars Rebels and um, also who's what's a better Star Wars story, Rebels or Clone Wars. You can find us online at superfantasticnerdhour.com. We are also on Twitter at NerdHour, and you can email us at info at superfantasticnerdhour.com. Conrad, where can people find you this week on the internet? Well, on the internet, they can find me on Twitter. I'm Die Prince, and on my other podcast, it's uh, reanimatedpodcast.com, and on Twitter, reanimatedpcast. But also, you can see both of us live at New York Comic Con. That's right, Conrad. Right. We'll be at... It's New York Comic Con this upcoming week. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, we would love to uh, meet you guys there. Um, tweet us. Yes. Um, you can tweet Die Prince or you can tweet myself at Alimatu or at Nerd Hour. One of us will get your tweet and we will come find you and we will talk and we will nerd out. Right. Um, and also, if you want to catch Alimatu doing uh doing his thing he is going to be at uh the 92nd street y as part of the super collider series uh the speaker series and that is on october 8th correct that's right that's this wednesday Mm -hmm. um story collider is doing an awesome uh sci-fi episode of real life stories about science and science fiction and it'll be a part of new york super week um, that's going on along with Comic-Con. Right, so a little jump-off point, which will be really exciting. Oh my gosh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you glad you have me? Oh, Conrad, what would I do with that? <laughs> um, well, we'll have our super fun episode uh, next week, and then we'll be back to our normal format in a couple of weeks. And uh, unt- you know, until we get to Comic-Con... Uh, live long and well no even after Comic Con please go always and live long in Rossford always, always live long in Rossford <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> indeed <laughs>